Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Oh my goodness, you guys don't know this right now. But I've got, remember that funky Friday music? We used to have the real goofy, like your yeah, like casual Friday casual music. Friday music. That's yeah. the one I sent in today for the show. What is up, everybody? And welcome into the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Let's go. Man, what the heck? Let's man? go. Oh, you don't know if you have a mic, just go for it. <laughs> Can anybody oh, yeah. vote? Let, the, let producer Kale know. We're unsure if his microphone is even on at this very moment. It's probably not. It's probably not. We're presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR whenever you sign up. He's Brennan Vote. He's Harrison Wynn. I'm Adam Matas, and we're joined by a very special guest today, a scout for the Denver Nuggets, uh, Dechi Fall. Dechi, thank you so much for for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, this is uh, I'm I'm a fan of the of the show, obviously, and uh, this is this is really cool to join you guys today. Nice setup, and uh, I, I I watch you guys from distance. Um, I think you guys provide some great content for the for the audience and the Nuggets oh, yeah. fans. And, Appreciate uh, that. It's great stuff, man. I think That's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to join you guys tonight. A lot of famous people have sat in that chair. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? Bones Highland has sat in that okay. chair. Who else? Tim Connolly has sat right. in that chair. Then Brendan Vote. Then, then he's like third. Brendan Vote sits list, in that chair mostly. I definitely rank at the bottom right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's get us started right off the top. You know, you're a scout for the Denver Nuggets. You've been here, how, what was it, 2016 or 15? I, I joined in t- uh, 2017. 17? Yeah, 2017. Okay. I joined, um, started in the video room, um, helped on the court a little bit, and I kind of transitioned into the front office what does it mean to be in the video room this is a, a simple question here but what does it what does that mean it's good you know a lot of grind long hours but obviously you know what, what what's really exciting and and what was really helping me in transitioning into scouting was how much of nba basketball you actually watch right and, uh, you know really helping with uh, learning nba terminology concept and right. uh, so that, I, I found that really valuable and i kind of kind of miss it a little bit you know <laughs> i used to watch a lot of nba games every you know and that, that was fun. That was that was really good. If you're doing video, so are you cutting the upcoming games? Are you looking backwards? What is it? Upcoming games. And then sometimes we'll have projects okay. you know, that are requested by coaches. Um, some cool projects. They always come up with ideas on things to look for, some trends in the NBA. So right. you get to learn a lot in the video room. Obviously, it's basketball. You get to learn yeah. a lot about the NBA game. Do you ever, in that role, I'm just curious, I always am curious how it works behind the scenes. In that role, are you ever the guy that says, hey, this is a great play, why don't you run this one for Nicola or something like that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, sometimes you will talk to the coaches, but obviously, you know, you're not. Yeah. We're, we're never in the coaches' meeting or anything like gotcha. that to, to have a voice. But sometimes you see something cool and then you mention it to the coaches and you never know how they take it. You know, you just, you just try to be you're just a support staff. So, you know, you try to look for things. Um, I know one, one thing cool that, 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 that Coach Malone used to do um, that has us cut every is, is the last two minutes of every close game. Right. And I used to see some really cool plays. Right. Ends and uh, that was, that was really cool. cool. I got to learn a lot of stuff. Um, I'm cutting, cutting last two minutes edits. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Cool. Walk me through real quick just your road here. So, I mean, you're tall guy, basketball player. <laughs> like, just start from there. Like, where do, you, where do you come from, and how did you get to the NBA? I, I was born and raised in Senegal, and it's funny you said that. I just stumbled into basketball, obviously. You know, I grew up in, in a very well-educated family, and, uh, you know, my dad was a former teacher, and, you know, academics was huge for us. And, mm. uh, you know, I had aspirations to go to medical medicine school mm. and be a doctor yeah. and all of that. And then as I grow and, uh, you know, I, I just stumbled into basketball, I was kind of, you know, uh, start playing basketball and there was an academy in Senegal called Seeds Academy which is you know uh, sure. created opportunities for for many young uh, boys and girls uh, from Senegal 
and uh, I joined the academy in, in, in 2016 and uh, you know it just kind of changed my life start playing basketball just opened up my eyes I got to meet a lot of people including Tim Conley who, right who, uh, who gave me a chance in the NBA uh, my former boss um, Tim I met Tim when in, at seeds when he, you see when back then he was a scout for the Washington Wizards we met in Senegal in my home country and we stayed in touch he's yeah, I've always been um, admire Tim from a distance because of right. how approachable he is and right. his willingness to help and he's such a down to earth guy yeah. you know and so you know I met him there and then yeah, I, I, I got an opportunity to come to the US play basketball I played high school at South Kent and then played college ball at Rono College a small school in Virginia um, and then when I was done uh, you know I, 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 I had a little head start um, because you know I grew up around basketball you know yeah. my uncle Amadou Fall um, who you who you know um, he's, he's a big pioneer in basketball in, in Africa right and, uh, you know just growing up around him you know he got got me exposed to a lot of people early on and then I, I just had this love for the game and and, 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 and working in the NBA was always a dream of mine. Um, Seeds is such a cool program because, I mean, I, I'm sure it's changed over the last, like, 15, 20 years, however long it's, it's, it's been around. But it, the idea of it is an academy where you're training basketball prospects, but not all of them are going to be NBA players. Not all of them are going to go. So it's also a, a great school. Like, in Senegal, it's also, like, one of the top schools. Is that right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, 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 it's a sports and education. Right, That's what right. It is. So... So it's obviously education first. You have to be a student to be right. able to be admitted to, to, to SEEDS. And, and, and the whole objective of SEEDS is using sports and basketball as, in particular as a tool, right. you know, to get an education mm. and, and better your life. Um, and that, that's what it is. You know, there's like to your point, in, in SEEDS existence, we've had one NBA player. Who is um, it? Gurgis Jeng. Who's still playing? Okay, for the, right. Now with the San Antonio Spurs, mm -hmm. I thought uh, the son of Giap was he not uh, from Seeds? He was not a Seeds. He, he okay. was in the U.S. before Seeds existed. Okay, um, but he's the kind of concept. You know, he was helped okay. with Amadou to come to the U.S. and all of that. But it's a concept. Once they created Seeds, it was just like get these kids that have you know basketball abilities and uh, teach them life skills so they can use uh, basketball as a tool to better right. their lives and. Uh, you know, I was I was I was fortunate enough to be one of those kids, and I got I was there for a couple of years, got got an education in the U.S., and, and here I am. I got an opportunity to to work in the NBA. Tell me about Af the development of basketball in Africa over the last twenty years or so, because it seems like from afar it's kind of like in a rapid development phase right now. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I think the NBA is is uh, is heavily invested in in Africa um, and and basketball in particular. Um, it, it started, you know, 20 years ago. I think it, it was, uh, they call it the Africa 100. Um, okay. Dufal and, 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 and a few NBA guys went into South Africa and, and did a camp. And it was so successful that um, a lady named um, Kim Bahuni, who, who oversaw the, the NBA International for many years, um, they, they started, they come up with the idea of basketball without borders in Africa. They started it in started Africa. It started in Africa. Oh, I didn't know that. started in Africa. And, and then it was so successful that they, they they expanded it uh, throughout the year um, to onto the rest of the continents and it's been a huge success. Um, so you know, fast forward, you know, guys like Joel Embiid right to basketballs out of Pascal Siakam, Gurgi Jang, you know. Where's Siakam um, from? Is he Cameroon? He's from Cameroon. Cameroon also in Central Africa, okay. born and raised. He was a guy. I remember I remember seeing him at basketballs up orders back then. I was a volunteer. I, I used to always go to after I, I, I after college I always went to BWB and volunteer, you know. Okay. Because I, I speak French, I can, you know, translate and, 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 and that stuff help chaperone kids and all right. that stuff. And I just remember Pascal uh, running around, walking around, you know, just just see him the play he became. It's, it's that's just a testament of, of the talent in Africa. Did you know he was gonna be that good? No, I, I don't even remember him. I love his game, though, man. He's one yeah. of the most quickly improved players, drastically improved players we've ever seen, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and I was coaching in college before I joined the Nuggets. He was in our conference in the, in the WAC with the Grand Canyon uh, University. Mm. He was at New Mexico State. We used to see them a couple of times, and I used to used to... Watch, I've reached out to the people I knew in the NBA. I'm like, man, this kid is, I don't know if he's going to be the good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you right. he's going to be this good. But I just, 
I, to your point, I just used to see him keep getting better. Right. Every time you see him, like he's just a different player, keeps adding more and more and more to his game. He's been a he's been a fun fun story to watch. What are the countries in Africa that seem to be producing the most talent, and maybe which are the ones that you think will in the coming years? Yeah, no, that's that's a good question, man. You know, I, I was uh, I was reading something. Um, Nigeria, obviously. Yeah, that's um, the most populous. It's the most populous, and you know why? It's because just, just, can you guess how many people are in Nigeria? Sixty million. <laughs> what do you, what's your guess? Thirty. I'll go higher. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, laughed. Laughed. he laughed. So I was 60, way up. Sixty-one million. Yeah, no, yeah, come on. What's your guess? I'll go uh, sixty-six. Yeah, triple that. Uh, wow. One hundred twenty, yeah. one hundred eighty million. Like three. It's two hundred and twenty million. Two hundred twenty million. Okay. Wow. In Nigeria. Wow. wow. It's the fifth largest population in in the whole world. That's actually a lot. Relative to size, in the world? because the U.S. The is what world. 300. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah, crazy. Google that. That's the. Oh, know, Google it right now. All right, getting a Google geography it. lesson. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, NBA no, show. I like it. It's uh, it's it's you know it's this kind. And then you take and then you take a, a country like Congo. Wow. Congo has almost 100 million people. Mm -hmm. You combine those two countries, it's the population of the United right, States, the whole right, United States. Right. And those two countries have the most physically talented human being you've yeah. ever seen. Mm. You know. So, tall so, people. Just physically Athletic, talented. Yeah, yeah. Think of think of Giannis under the computer. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. He's Nigerian. He's not yeah. Greek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> let's, let's get that out of the way. He's not Greek, right? Yeah. But you know, yeah. Victor Wambariama. Yeah, he's fine. Congolese. He's Congolese. Yeah, oh, wow. Like, like, you know, a lot of uh, those best French athletes, right? From a nugget. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kembe Mutombo. Right, you know, right, you know, right. Yeah. Sergio Baca. You name them. You know, like mm -hmm. it's just like these human with this physical talent that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, I always say like the, the biggest asset for Africa is its people. It's always it's it, it's its people. It's such a young. It's three hundred million people. Those two countries, sixty percent of it is under the age of eighteen. Wow! Oh wow! Sixty wow. percent of that population is under the age of eighteen. Just think about that, you know. So, so it's just—I think it's just going to be a matter of time where they start producing. You know, players. Yeah. We we're a long ways away from 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 getting there. Obviously, I think Africa has its challenges. You know, stable governments and all, you know lack of resources and all of that. And so, I give credit to the NBA for 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 for, for investing, and they are they're fully on board with the NBA academies, the junior NBA opening of offices. And creating this league um, in, in in the continent of Africa, I think I think it's it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, we are we are ways away from going from from getting there, but I think it's just going to be a matter of a time where mm. you're going to start seeing a lot of African playing in the in, in the National Basketball Association. You know, you're seeing a lot of it right now, but a lot of it is guys leaving Africa and going to France or going to Spain or going to different places. It seems like right now. That's the almost common path. So that's a common path, obviously, just because there's no other alternative in Africa. Right. And that's why the NBA is opening up all these academies now. Right. Now you have kids that are just gonna eventually going to get drafted straight from the academies. You right. see the, the, the success they've had in the academies, in, you know, with the Global Academy. You know, every year they've produced lottery picks. You know, uh, um, Benedict Maturin, like... Uh, Josh Kitty, you named them, well, like you know, Dyson Daniels, you know, all these right. guys that are coming from their academies and coming in and a real prospect around the NBA. You're going to see some of those kids. They have a couple of kids in the academy in Senegal that have a chance to be drafted right out of the academies um, that are going to be first round picks. Um, yeah. I think to, to answer your question, I think as they grow these academies, they're going to be able to retain their talent right. and develop them. At, at, at home uh, right. instead of these kids coming to France and the US. Right. That'll be an interesting pipeline. I, we'll move now to Europe. You know, so Africa, it sounds like um, growing, you know, infrastructure growing. growing, everything here. Europe obviously has been a 30 year process, you know, starting in the late 80s where you start to see the first wave and, and then more and more. My question is, I'm, we just came back from Serbia, as you know. Yeah. I'm so interested in the differences between the types of players that come from different areas. Right now, Spain is so good. Why is Spain so good? I think with Spain, where they where they just got the rest of Europe is just their development. 
Mm -hmm. I think Serbia is not far off either. They they really teach basketball, you know, right. team basketball. Right. As as you guys probably know, you know, the game is so different in Europe than the than, right. than, than the NBA. NBA is so start start driven. You know, right. in Europe is team basketball, man. Mm -hmm. Team driven. You know, they they yeah. beat you collectively, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, as as you see in the uh, last Euro basket, sure. you know, Nicola bounced early, you know, Yanis right. right. bounced early. It's right. a team. It's not no such thing as one guy just carrying your team you know it's a team basketball they play so well together you know because they grew up playing i think spain is just so so good at developing developing their players um, um does it run deep because i mean do, or do they just have like 20 guys you know what i mean is it top to bottom they have they have a whole pipeline of good players yeah like argentina it seems like they almost had a wave of guys come through yeah, I, I I just think it's the it's their development, it's their okay. development and coaching that they that they are ahead of the, the the rest of the rest of Europe. Obviously, Serbia is right up there too. You take a country like France, they are they are they might have an edge on them on the on the physical talent. Obviously, yeah, they always find these freaks, you know, yeah. from 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 all over France. Yeah, um, and then and then and then just France, don't, uh, Spain don't have it, but they. They really do a good job of developing their talent. They really yeah. do a good job. Um, let's get to Kamagate here a little bit. Uh, you know, he's obviously an intriguing prospect. I really didn't hear a whole lot about him going into the draft. He's one of those guys, second rounder. Um, what's sort of the scouting report on him, and and how did it come together to to draft him? Yeah, well, you know, is is Ismail is a very he's a late bloomer. Okay, we call him. He was a late bloomer. He was a kid that that. Uh, started playing basketball really late i think he was in the french fifth fifth division just four years ago oh wow um, yeah his agent bunanjai who's also the agent of uh, wembanyama found him and and got him into paris mm. um, he works with paris and and then the, the 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 plan was to get him in their development program the youth develop him through their youth and he surprised him so much and you know next thing you know he's he's starting for their team right know, in, <laughs> right in, in paris um and, and in person, I was in Paris last year, the beginning of the year. Uh, I spent a month in, in, in France. I, so I got to know him really, really well. I watched him up close, got to know him really well. What I really, I, first and foremost, I really admire him as a kid. I, mm. I think what really separates Ismail from many kids is, is his personality. He's such a polite kid, you know, extremely coachable, extremely likable, you know. Just a guy that you just around, you just want to root for him. He's a guy that you want to root for. Yeah. Um, obviously, he has all the physical talent in the world. You know, his body is NBA ready, ready. He hasn't played a ton of basketball, um, which shows at times. But I think I think he's got a tremendous upside as a basketball player. He's I've got to think that personality is really important it's for extreme. a guy coming over from Europe. Absolutely, absolutely. And I and I think that's why I'm I, I was, I'm always been willing to bet on those guys. Mm, I think yeah. the personality and just the mental makeup of, mm -hmm. of that kid is he already has the tools, the foundation to work with, and then you know you combine that with his mental makeup. I think. You know, he's the sky's the limit. How good he can be, obviously. You know, I think, I think, but I think the the, the best path for him to develop is probably to come over here and, and and play basketball, play more, and get get taught how to get teach how to play basketball, and 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 really play. You know, meaningful, a lot of reps. meaningful, meaningful minute. But he's a he's a player I'm really high on. Obviously, who knows? We just project. Um, right. But but I think he has the NBA body. He has the physical. He has the physical talent, and then and and then the, the mental makeup to really be a really good player. Smart kid, loves the game, extremely coachable. Um, just he's he's a guy. He's a sponge man. You can mm. you tell him whatever he does, he does it. And he asks questions, and he really want to be good. And I, I, I think that matters. Yeah. The when, physical development part's interesting to me because it seems like that's where the NBA excels more than anybody else. Is he? I mean, he has a pretty, like as you said, filled out body already. Is that a thing that you think when he gets over here, it's just going to shoot up a whole other level, or is that a thing he's already put a lot of work into? And you think like, no, he's he looks like he needs to look. Yeah. No, he he has a body. Obviously, you always with those guys, you're always going to have to like watch their weights and like just. You know, teaching them about taking care of their bodies and everything. Right. One of the, the one of the the number one thing I want to see about him is just like him learning how to use his body a little bit more. You know, mm. he's, he's such a naturally nice guy, so you, know, <laughs> yeah. you can just get him. You know, just get him to rough be, and tumble a little yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. Get yeah. some of that dog in him. Yeah, you know? exactly. yeah. So, and, and he will get there. You know, yeah. it's just like you know, it's just like you gotta push him. You gotta this guy. You gotta push him. You gotta teach sure. him. You know, mm. just get him to use his body and just play with a little bit more force. And I think he gets here, he'll be challenged physically, and I think he will respond. I think it's, it's going to be good for him. You said four years ago he was in the fifth league. W what about before that? Is that when he started playing? 
So was he, yeah, he was just, you know, in France, what, 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 the reason why France is so good and always identifying players, they have a league for every youth level. Really? Like, for every youth point. level, yeah. If you want to play basketball in France, you can always find a league to play in. They have a really, Interesting. Good, they have really good structure. Yeah. And, and, you know, they have a really good structure. So, so he played, but he probably just played in this local league, whatever, you know. And then, obviously, probably as he got taller and stuff, people start to notice him. And, uh, you know, he was just playing in his hometown backyard and then he said this agent found him and and got him to paris and that's that's where he really took off that's interesting i always tell the story because i have a seven-year-old daughter and she just learned to swim two summers ago Congrats. and she had swimming tryouts and she got cut and i was thinking she just learned to swim <laughs> How could be cut? and there's no second level you know you think like okay yeah. well you're done just, you're done <laughs> so good try out of the pool. i know you swim. like to swim you're <laughs> done seven, she didn't even know she was supposed to race have so. you tried it was fun you just swim around in circles so uh so i think about this a lot because i think it's the same way though honestly with to a lesser extent us obviously produces a lot of basketball players but there is a top level and then a rec level yeah and there's not it almost would make sense for you to have two or three levels in between so you could have a chance to be a late bloomer yeah. and move up yeah yeah no no i that's something that i that i really that, I, that was really interesting that i that i saw in france there's a mm. league for everybody yeah. They have three professional leagues in there alone. And then you have all these youth level um, leagues. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. They have a really good structure. I, I have a question about Kamigate and some of the unique challenges people in his shoes might face. When the Nuggets introduced the rookies at the press conferences, he seemed to be alone. Like everyone has their family and big entourages, but this guy is speaking a second language or maybe even a third language. I don't know for him. He's in a new country. And he doesn't seem to have his people with him. That seems to be really challenging in a way that other rookies don't face. That, that's a good question, man. Honestly, like I was in his shoes. Obviously, I never got uh, to be drafted or play in the NBA. But I, I remember coming here and not speaking the language and not having mm -hmm. any family around. Right. I mean, that's it's not easy, man. That's I was tough. actually really impressed with how he handled everything, man. In good. the press conference, I, I was thinking the same. Yeah. Just watching him, I'm like, oh my god, they're asking him questions. This kid barely speak the language and. But he, I, I'll give him credit, man. He handled it pretty well. He, yeah. was, he was, he was really good. Ismail is a really, mentally, that kid is really special. Love, I, big I, smile yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, mentally, time. I, I, I admire. He introduced himself to yeah. all of us individually. Yeah. No, he's, he's really mature. Awesome. Yeah, mentally, he's got it, man. Good. Yeah, yeah Paul the Thomas Welsh. Tell, <laughs> tell me about the league he's in. So is the top professional league or like what is it? That's I mean French league is probably top five league in the world outside of NBA. Obviously, okay. it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty physical good league. There's, there's yeah. a, a decent numbers of NBA fringe players playing in the French league. It's a pretty good league. And then this year his team plays also in the Euro Cup, which okay. is just the league a tier below the the Euro League, okay. which is the top league outside of the NBA. So he's playing both French and, and Euro Cup. So he's getting. A pretty good competition. And he's playing with the national team yeah, now yeah. too. This right? year he got yeah he got yeah. called up. That was a great experience for him. Mm -hmm. um, got to score some points. I mean they they're so loaded. Obviously French is so loaded, especially at this position. Um, right. But it was good. Yeah. It was good. I know I know that that coach speaks highly of him. Um, Vincent Cholet. He, he really likes him as a kid. He's the one that's coaching the team when Maniamo is playing. Right. I got to catch up with him a little bit uh, when we're in Vegas to to see them play. Um, he speaks highly of the kid. He's always. Um, um, spoke highly of him. Uh, he's a kid that he admires. He thinks he's got really good potential. Um, so he's always going to be in the mix. I, you know, I, I, I just don't know how much he's going to he's going to play going forward. You know, Rudy Gobert, Wembenyama <laughs> on the national team. Um, yeah, yeah, on that, yeah. yeah. they're just so loaded. In the, yeah, that's so in true. The, the, Joel, in, in even right? Yeah. Embiid yeah. is how yeah. yeah. playing there. That's crazy stuff. What about the club team he's on? What's kind of been his role and? It, you know, does he is he get to shine a lot? Do they pl call plays for him? Is he the anchor of the defense? What what does he do? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the new coach Will Weaver. I don't know if you guys know him. He's Will Weaver coaching the NBA a little bit. Um, uh, he's a guy that that, that 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 they just hired this year. Uh, unfortunately, with with some of the conflicts they had with the um, with the French Federation, they they didn't get his his certification resolved until just recently. Oh, so wow. they they were off to a real slow start um, as a team. Um, they were they lost a lot of games in, in club just because they he couldn't coach he wasn't That's qualified crazy. to coach, um, but uh, but but he's he's there starting big he's there he's there only through big obviously they they mm -hmm. have, but uh, just from from watching them up close and watching them they lack some real guard plays they don't have a real a real point guard per se you know they got a lot of guys that can play on the ball but not a good 
setup guy, you know, right. to say, and 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 you know, obviously, for bigs to sign, you it's gonna you're gonna need you know that guard to create for you. Right. Um, but but you know, Ismael has been rebounding and, and blocking shot at a high level, which should translate in the NBA. Um, he's right. been playing pick and roll. Um, he's been really good defensively for them. Um, just been up and down offensively, but uh, you know, we're not too worried about that side of the ball with him. As long as he's he's rebounding and and, and defending, uh, you know, protecting the rim. Which is something that he can add to our team, you know. Eventually, I think right. we, are, we are pretty happy. I mean, I think he, you know it's been an up and down year um, in terms of his development. But I, uh, again, I think he's a kid that that that's gonna really take off once he once he once he joins an NBA club and uh, and uh, you have a development plan for him. He's he's got a chance to be really good. Just from looking at his stats, I feel like he knows what he's good at because he's shooting like eighty percent from the field. Yeah, like I look at his his oh, game logs. It's yeah. like. Six of six, five of five, yeah, yeah, six of yeah, seven, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's solely a finisher now. Yeah, he's finishing at a high high level. You know, he's a big lap tread at the rim. Right. Um. Obviously, he takes up a lot of space. He's got a major presence in the paint. So, um. You know, he finishes at a high clip, which is good. To your point, it's good. You know, a lot of he doesn't force the issue. You know, he he's he's always playing to his strength, which is a good characteristic for any young big. Um. Mm -hmm. So. I think he's 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 he's, he's been a very very pleasant surprise for me honestly. I like it. I got it before we'll get you out on this one. All the talk in the NBA this year. I haven't seen a prospect hyped like Victor W in a long time. I mean, even Luca. I say don't his think last name. Wimbayama. Right? Am I getting it right? Yeah, Wimbayama. Victor. No. <laughs> Victor Wimbayama. So <laughs> even Luca. Just say it fast. <laughs> even Luca had a certain level of hype to him, but I feel like it wasn't like this. Yeah. Seven foot four. Yeah, is seven, it, it's a legit seven foot four. A legit. So yeah. is he gonna be seven seven by the time yeah, this is done? Who knows, man? I, I I just never seen anybody like him in my life. It's it's, yeah. it's ridiculous watching him up close. Like I said, you, I can't. You can't do any 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 any. any I can't do any uh, service. Just 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 describing him. You have to see it up close. Like <laughs> it is insane. I've never seen anything like him. Obviously, he's he's the best prospect in the world by far for, I mean just a combination of skill feel I mean fluidity at that size he's so fluid like changes end so well his touch is insane he can shoot it from anywhere like on the move I mean just the stuff he's done like I, I got a chance to see him up close a lot last year when I was over in France before he blew up obviously here so yeah. <laughs> you know I was just blown away it's that's just uh, there's no other way to say this kid is a Special talent. He's a special generational talent. If if he stays healthy, he's he's gonna be a problem in this league. Is all of that? Uh, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I buy it. I've seen it. He looks incredible, right? He he's seven four. I'm trying sure to catch, do the catch because part of me wants to be like, well, I don't know. What do we have? Three years before this guy just wrecks the league and dominates, <laughs> and it's all over. Maybe, maybe. But my the thing I wonder is seven four crossovers. Those things are all cool. Do you think in the NBA he's going to end up getting funneled into a little bit more, not a limited role, lim might be, the limit might be big, but do you think he's going to be doing crossovers and one-legged runners and dribbling, scoring off the dribble? I mean, he's, he's seven foot four, and he shoots it way over the top of his head. Who's, <laughs> who's going to get to his shot? He's going to shoot over anybody. But then maybe he can't dribble, though. Yeah. I mean, that's a long way to have to dribble. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, honestly, that kid's... I mean, we we've been just talking about his offense. I mean, yeah, talk about yeah, his deep, defense. Yeah. I mean, he's that dude is game changer in defense. Yeah. You know, like How do you that score that alone it? gets him on the floor. I saw that play where he was defending a two on one fast break. Yeah, and they lob it over the top to him, yeah. and he goes from guarding the guy on the ball yep. to the guy catching the lob and just blocks it. Yeah, yeah. Mid -mid. No, just, just think about the impact. Rudy Gobert has, right. you know, this kid is way more fluid. He's <laughs> under, you know, yeah, a bit ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's game changer. I mean, you know, right. obviously, you know, when, when you watch it up close, I'm sure you will you will appreciate it. <laughs> but the hype is, is real. <laughs> the hype is real. Is he a better oh. prospect than Luca? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I Luca is pretty pretty special too. I'm a big fan of Luca too. Yeah. He's pretty close though, man. Yeah. It's pretty close. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna change whatever franchise he goes right away. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, East, man. Yeah, hopefully East. Let's yeah. hope for the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Send them to Orlando. Orlando. Yeah, Orlando yeah. or something. Yeah. They They've got already got a tall him and, team. Him and Bull Bull, <laughs> Bull Bull and uh, Jonathan Isaac. My God, that would be the most crazy team of all time. Uh, Detchi, I appreciate this so much, man. man. This such, is very insightful. Good stuff. Yeah. Really good stuff. Hey, anytime, man. Uh, you know, love talking hoops. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the program. You guys are doing a 
heck of a job. We appreciate the that. Nuggets. Uh, we appreciate the love, obviously. Um, let's hope we bring a championship in town, man. Love it. Man, let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Get we back here for the parade. Uh, we appreciate it. All right, let's go to break, Kel. Go ahead and zero in on, on Harrison. He'll take us into the break on the other side. We got notes from Nuggets practice today and also want to talk about the redeem, redeem Team Doc. I'm going to go full Serbian. I have a bone to pick about the Redeem <laughs> Team Doc right. in segment three. All right, guys. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. It's still Broncos season, so make sure... You are picking up some Broncos Country Pale Ale. It's got that Broncos logo on it. It's in that Broncos can. The Broncos Country Pale Ale from Breckenridge Brewery. Breck Brew is the official beer at DNVR. If you don't know where to get it, check out the Breck Brew Beer Locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. That will tell you where to get Breck Brew closest to you. If you're local, stop into the DNVR bar. We got Breck Brew on tap. Uh, make sure to pick up some Broncos Country Pale Ale from Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Also, guys, the NBA is back. Basketball is back. The season's going. Tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Also, everybody, not just new users, everybody can get up to a 100% profit boost with the stepped-up same-game parlay, if you add 10 legs to your same-game parlay, you get a 100% profit boost. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet this week. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. With promo code DNVR, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Alrighty, back here, segment two. Man, Detchi is great, man. That was so was good. Great. Yeah, he was awesome. He was awesome. He's like one of my favorite people to just to talk to, just talk hoops and stuff, like um, get the different little insights. I knew he was high on Victor W. I feel like he's higher on him than he was. I was trying to I get him to, to him. say that Victor W. is a better prospect than Luka Doncic. I was oh. trying to get him on record. Yeah, there. you're making him like you're you're putting guys in like a tough spot to have to go like go on record. He answered for it like well. That. They yeah. also played Dallas twice. You know, somehow it gets out to Luka. He's like, oh, really? You think? Okay, I'm dropping 50. <laughs> I'm going to show that scout. <laughs> show Honestly, Luka probably is, is like what Luke that. Is going to say. Hey, yeah, man. Probably is know. how Luka operates. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Uh, Luka watches the show. He's a big fan yeah, of the show, right. so he does That's tune in friend pretty of the regularly. Show. But, but something I always said about Tim Connolly's front office is he always <laughs> hired such a a staff from such a variety of different backgrounds. I always gave him credit for this, you know? Yeah. Deci, um, you know, obviously the international influence with Tommy Balchettis, right. Marty Pocious. He hired Sue Bird as an intern. I always felt like Tim did a great job of just having so many different perspectives in the room. Totally. And I feel like that's so important in an NBA front office. Especially in a, in a, for a team like Denver, which historically doesn't sign anyone, right? So drafting, but scouting and dipping your toes into different pools, essential. I the the variety of front offices and obviously now Calvin I think has done a very good job with this as well. Yeah. And he's got guys like Drew Nicholas who is a star in Europe and has you know a lot of access and different insights and a different perspective. Um so kind of I think that's one similarity I would say with Tim and sure. Calvin is that they both kind of have these like different types of people. But there are front offices that are not that way. They're front offices that are three times the size of Denver's. People don't always know this. That they got ten anal analytics guys, you know, all twenty scout, whatever it is, and th they're also, and I know this from going to Sloan. Maybe Sloan is a bad representation because it's like mostly people that are in that are analytics nerd inclined, fest. nerd fest. But you go there, um, sometimes you get meet a front office of eight guys. They all look the exact same. Yeah. They all look like Harrison, actually. They look like seven <laughs> Harrisons. And you're like, they all look like me, but they're actually smart. <laughs> and they all they talk actually, and like, sound the same. Code. And then have the oh, same yeah, I take. Do Python. Yeah. Yeah. The exact same opinion on everything. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Um, yeah. So I do think they're all wearing like button down checkered T-shirts. Neutral and colors. Chinos. And yeah. <laughs> no, that's the thing about, I'm telling you, I hate Sloan. Tech vests. I went one time, I hate it. I never want to go back. I say it reminds me of the final scene in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. You know, when he's given the seminar and they're all looking up, just all, you know, whatever. That's what it's like at Sloan. Everybody has to wear a suit the entire time to talk basketball. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like a bunch of like 20 year olds wearing suits talking numbers. And I just, I don't like it. I did not like it. I was, <laughs> that sucks. It really, <laughs> it and everybody, terrible. the funniest part was I was there as media and everybody kept pitching me. <laughs> 
I, th- not, I think you were. I think you were just tall and maybe like looked like hundred percent tall. Could be a former player and maybe work for a team. There were two types of people. There were like me, most yeah. of which were yeah front office members, and then there was a bunch of the people trying to get in, which were you know maybe more vote size. Hi, so you knew that. Hi guys. Yeah, yeah. Hi guys. And so it was. Definitely Let me tell like you about that. my draft model. <laughs> yeah. That's how it was. People were just like, give me their elevator pitch as an introduction to themselves, and I'm like, bro, I don't, I'm not here for that. Wow. Like, stop. Please stop. I did not like it. Um, all right. Let's uh, segue in, guys, and talk about Denver Nuggets practice today. Sure. What do you got for me, Wind? Uh, let's start with Michael Malone. We heard from him. He was talking about the Nuggets' next game. They got the Knicks tomorrow night at Ball Arena. Michael Malone said, finally, we have a game with a rest advantage because the That's Knicks right. tonight are playing in Utah. They're on the toughest back-to-back in the league. Yeah. The Utah-Denver back-to-back. They're playing the Jazz tonight. Michael Malone says he's begging his guys to watch that game. He says most of the guys don't. Most of the guys don't watch the next team Denver's playing their last game. He says there's this thing called League Pass where he can watch the game for free. He's hoping his players He's wrong about that. It's not free. This game. If If you're in the league, you get it for free. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. This is the truth? Yeah. So dumb. I know. We're out here paying 200 a year. Like, of all the people that don't need it for free. Oh, right? yeah, totally. That's how the world works, man. It is how the world works. Once you get money, so you don't right. need to spend yeah. it anymore. Everybody gets it for free, except yeah, right. us. We um, actually use it. I, yeah, it is funny. The Knicks, by the way, had a players-only meeting last night. Oh, did they? So Knicks are like number two or three this year. I mean, the Nets had one in like game two. I'd be more worried about the Knicks if they fired Thibodeau before this game. Because you get the oh, coach because then you get the coach game. fired up. Yeah. Um, anyway, just a point of notice that they do have the hard back to back, and they did have a players only meeting. Denver better smack, man. They better. better smack. Yeah, we'll find out. They better. I thought this was the most interesting thing from today's practice. Michael Malone revealed his rotation or or how he's going to start his substitution patterns in the first quarter. This is great. So usually over these last couple games, it's been pretty strict. Bruce Brown comes out at the six minute mark. Michael Porter Jr. goes in. But in that Bulls game, we saw Malone ride the hot hand. We saw him leave Michael Porter out there and <laughs> sub Jamal Murray out so Jamal Murray can play with the bench. All right, I'm shaking my head here. So he said, yeah, he'll ride the hot hand. So whoever has it going early. Do you guys know who's leading the Denver Nuggets in scoring in the first quarter? Michael, Michael Porter, Porter Jr. Was it because of this last game? Absolutely not. Going into that game, he was leading the Nuggets in first quarter scoring. In fact, if you think about Michael Porter in your mind, almost always hits two threes in the first quarter and almost always is two for two to start the game. Right. So this thing of Michael Malone is maybe a recent development. And I feel like it's actually a one-game development. It is. It. I think last game was the first time he thought about it. But it's just a little weird to me, this idea of like... Uh, it's crazy that you would have thought it was about no Bones Highland and wanting that's a what I thought it was the bench, but... We'll see. Maybe. I really think this was a thing that he did for the first time last game. Mm. So at that six-minute mark, Bruce Brown's always going to sub out but or sub in. He could be subbing in for Michael Porter. He could be subbing in for Jamal Murray if, if Michael Porter's hot. Michael Porter in 12 games this year is averaging seven points, 6.8 points per game in the first quarter, and he's shooting 58% from the field, 59.5% from three. So he shoots 50% from three on the year, 48. He shoots 60% in the first quarter. <laughs> wow. Actually, let me pull up the totals here because I'm not I'm not trying to be a, a like a stickler on this point. I'm just saying he's 19 of 32. He has 19 three pointers in the first quarters alone this year. He's got to hit a couple of threes between like the nine minute mark and the seven That's minute right. mark. If Showing you, they're still hot. If yeah. you ask, yeah, for real. If you ask me. Who is going to be hot? Like, okay, so if that's the thing, Bruce Brown, you're going in. We'll just wait to find out for who. That's going to be like four out of five times it's Michael Porter. Or right. it's, he'll go in for Murray, leave Porter out there. It may, right. it may be really more about like the Porter moved as well as he shot the ball in that Chicago game. And it's a big part of the reason why the scoring spree didn't just stop. I, he, he kept going and finding it. So almost more than how many points does he have right now might be like how, what's, how is he going and getting them? How is he moving up? Does this look like a guy that we can leave with the bench and he's still going to go get his as opposed to just standing in the corner? Right. Mm-hmm. And then Malone was talking about the bench. He seems happy with how that group is playing. He says DeAndre, Jeff, Bruce have been constants 
Especially without bones. That is literally true. Like they have always been on the floor. That is that is true. <laughs> you are right. Paul. You have constantly. He used said them. Christian Brown played really well in Chicago, which he did. And then he also said Jamal playing with the second unit with Bruce allows him to get off the ball a bit, play shooting guard. That, that was definitely evident in this last game. Yeah. Uh, I will. I made this mo- note to Matt Moore the other day on Lockdown Nuggets, but uh, it's only thirteen games. This is way too early. DeAndre Jordan's minus 8.6 net rating. Mm -hmm. Last year, Faku Campazzo, minus 8.6 net Mm -hmm. rating. The exact same number. What are you trying to say here? I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just saying it is funny that we're like, you know, he's been good. You know, he's been like this or that. And I'm just kind of like, some of the stuff is so like how you look at it. By the way, on that same note, do you guys know who leads the NBA in on off plus minus? Or just not on off plus minus, just on plus minus. Don't take factor in the off. Do you know who is just when they're on the court, when it has the biggest my team is winning? I have a guess. Nikola Jokic. Is it Jokic? It is. You guys were right with your guess. It is Nikola Jokic with 112. He's ahead by, what was it, nine? nine? Over Kevin Love. Over Kevin Love, yeah. or the next closest person, which is just hilarious because for all this talk of, like, Jokic's slow start or this or that, he leads the NBA right now in the thing that people are like, well, plus minus is a team thing. Yes, but the point is for your team to win. And when he's on the court, he wins at the highest rate right now. Like yeah. Anybody in the NBA. It's actually, I just think it's funny. And by the way, they have the Knicks, so hopefully that becomes even higher. Oh, I'm, I'm predicting another like plus twenty five. Yeah, you're forgetting about Hartenstein. Well, he's not going to be playing against Hartenstein, right? Isn't Hartenstein the backup? Uh, I, I think he's been starting. Oh, lately. has he? Yeah, I think he's oh, been okay. starting. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not up he's on actually, the Knicks. He's actually not been that great. Stopped watching them three games. <laughs> yeah, now. not up on the Knicks. Um, Michael Malone was also talking about Michael Porter Jr. and of course staying on the theme of you know the effort he's putting out defensively. But Malone went a little deeper today. He said, like, he can count on his hand the amount of shots Michael Porter's taken that have been bad shots. Right. And we talked about this on the postgame show about just how I we really feel like Michael Porter's just trying to play the right way. He's trying to fit into the Nuggets starting five, and he's just really been playing within the offense here as of late. I think often, too, about, you know, when that first Heatles big three came together, trying to stuff all of Chris Bosch's talents into a third best player. They ultimately figured out, but there was a lot of, it was there with Kevin Love too. Like fans of those respective teams are saying, can we get rid of this guy? This isn't working. He doesn't look the way we hoped he would look. It's so hard to be a third option, particularly when you have Porter's immense talent. And also consider all the different things he's got in his ear. Hey, Mike, be yourself, but not too much of yourself. But when you're with the bench, can you just be yourself? But then when you're – there's a lot. There's a lot of instruction, and I think he's threaded the needle pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I am interested to see him kind of get inside a little bit more, get to the rim a little bit. In fact, if you look at his numbers, he actually was a more efficient scorer his last time he was fully healthy and mm-hmm. in terms of effective field goal percentage. He's just so hot right now from three in large part because, yeah, he's cut out all these you know other bad shots. And by the way, did you guys check out Road Trippin' with him? The Road Trippin' podcast? I have not it? seen it, no. no. You guys have not? No. I, I don't to... listen to other podcasts. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, it was research. This is one thing he said, though, that I thought was very interesting. He said, I think he's like a lot of guys come into the league who are really talented, but they a team asks them to take on a role, they take on it, and then they get pigeonholed into that Interesting. role. Interesting. This is the comment he had. Now, he wasn't talking about himself. I right. think he was actually referring to other players. But it was something that I kind of got interested in, that I just kind of perked my ears up, because while we're all happy, I have to. I said this coming into the year. Michael Porter needs to fit in, and then they need to help him stand out. I think it would be a shame if the if the if he's still here 20 games from now, meaning he's earned, in my opinion, an opportunity to expand it a little bit. Now, some of that expansion is about getting to the rim, putting the ball on the floor, and just being a little bit more explosive, an area where he has not necessarily shined. And I asked him about it today at practice, and he referenced that... His, he's still getting back into feeling right or something. Like you mentioned, once he gets his legs more under him, right? He said maybe he'll be able to do that more. And I believe it because if you look at his dunks, four dunks this year, four dunks. He it doesn't has almost, seem like a lot. It's not. It's almost. I mean, it's like Jokic's rate of dunking at the moment. Yeah, he actually has almost the same rate of dunks as he did last season. I think it's the notable drop off, and he's so talented. Three surgeries later, we almost were like, well, you can just drop him in. He'll still shoot. But three surgeries later, you've lost something. And if you go back and you watch Porter at the youth level, part of what made him the best player in the class, at least at the time, was that he also just moved different. He was one of the, like, athletically, as far as guys who are essentially seven feet that move the way he does. And that's 
we've seen a step back in that. So it'll be interesting to see if he, as he gets his legs underneath him or more confident using his body, if he ups that at all. Yeah, Malone also talked about just him working the two-man game with Nikola Jokic and how important of a development that's been. I just wrote about that on thednvr.com. Check that out. I, I have never seen Nikola Jokic trust Michael Porter more than he did in that Bulls game. Like that was my that was my takeaway from yeah, it. I was hundred percent. I was really really impressed with just how much Jokic trusted him to to to, to win that game. Pretty yeah, much, he was right. like Michael Porter, win this game for us, and and he did. It's a I good see strategy. The, the chat is pointing out he was talking about Jeremy Grant. I told you he was talking about another player. That's right. It was Jeremy Grant saying that basically he went to another place, expanded, showed he had more to his game. And then kind of broke free of that sort of path. So, mm. but nonetheless, I don't. I think like it's a concept that like you still hear and think. Well, hopefully he doesn't feel that way about himself, and hopefully that's a thing where he's doing the thing you ask. So now the team doesn't pigeonhole him into, "Hey, you're doing so good at this. We're not going to ask you to do anything else." And part of one of the bones you can throw him is, "Oh, you're playing the right way, and you're the hottest guy on the floor. We're leaving you on the floor. The ball's going to you." Yeah, I I'm telling you, the more I think of it, the more I kind of like that rotation. At least in the first half, I kind of like Murray to the bench first. You'll probably get a lot of it because yeah. Porter's that hot in first quarters. Yeah. And then Malone was talking about the Celtics game and what he learned about his team from that, and what he kind of settled on was we have to be a lot more physical and tougher. Yeah, yeah, that's that's accurate. I thought he was spot on with that. We also talked with Christian Brown and Michael Porter Jr. as well. And, uh, you know, Christian was talking about his routine a lot and just the differences between college and the NBA. And he was saying how in college, look, you have four days to prepare for a team. You know all their plays. Like, you know everything about that team. In the NBA, you get a day, maybe. You have back-to-back. So the NBA, he said, it's about focus and preparation. It's about just zeroing in, locking in for those couple of hours or that one night where you have to scout an opponent and just really lock in and focus on that. And, and that's kind of where his mindset is right now. Um, he was also talking about that Boston game, and he said the Celtics and Warriors games have stood out to him so far. Uh, Did you catch from the why, rest. though? Yeah, because a lot of times the NBA crowds suck. <laughs> but the Boston and Golden State crowds are great. Hundred percent. It was very interesting. He's like in the he's like in college. You never have to create your own energy. Yeah. In the NBA, you you a lot of times you do. Except Boston and Golden State. That was, I mean, he's he didn't say this, but it was basically like a college atmosphere where if the crowds are into it. And I just it, it, not just college too. He went to Kansas and they won a yeah, title. Yeah. I mean, it actually it's, it <laughs> yeah. reminds me of Jamal coming from Kentucky. Like you think about the media day with the Denver Nuggets, it's probably a big step down. Oh, it's a huge. Oh, are you sure? from Kentucky? Mean, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I mean, think about that. Yeah, you know? Kansas weird... probably too. Although Kentucky, yeah. I think especially, but Kansas, yeah. yeah, Kansas as well. But he did say he loves playing in those environments. I think a big reason why is probably because that's what he's been playing in right. the last three years. Right. And then he said the biggest adjustment he said was adjusting to the recovery. You know, getting back to your hotel recovering, doing what you're supposed to do is really important. That's also got to be a big adjustment going from college in the NBA. Like a lot of these guys, you know, you're just on your own. Like it's up to you how you're going to recover, you know, how you're going to keep your body right from game to game. So that's kind of where his focus is right now. And then we talk with Michael Porter Jr. as well. And um, he was asked if he's going to watch the Knicks tonight. He said he is. Yeah. And that he usually watches about two games per night. He always says that he watches Denver's next opponents, you know, previous games. So I believe he'll be him. tuning in I think tonight. Michael Porter's a hooper, man. Yeah, he said he's watching the whole league right now. Totally. Yeah. Um, Except for he's not watching Trey Young. He's not watching Trey Young, but he's watching some of his old teammates, Torrey Craig and Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, loves watching Torrey Craig. Loves watching the Suns and uh, the Jazz. You think he's watching Torrey Craig like, oh how'd I not play over that guy? I'm no <laughs> <laughs> I thought he's like Man, I'm a score 50. I can't wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please guard me. <laughs> yeah. How would I not start over that guy? <laughs> <laughs> On the rotation, I thought this was interesting too. You know, Malone was talking about how he's going to leave Porter out there if he's hot in the first quarter. Michael Porter said this was actually something that he was going to talk with Malone about. But then Malone just did it naturally in the Chicago game. And Porter really likes it. He wants the opportunity to be out there 
and play further into the first quarter if he's hot. Mm. And then, like you said, um, he was talking about getting to the rim more. He says that's something he can be doing more of once he gets his legs under him more this season. He thinks he'll be doing that more and be better there. That's what I got. I love that you had to go in order, even though I took you out of order. You had to yeah, finish just had to just had to hit it again. We did his <laughs> lists. Um, yeah, it sounds like it was a pretty light practice today. Malone was back to being in a good mood. Remember Malone in training camp? All great mood, confident. Just exudes confidence the oh, entire yeah. time. You get into a little bit of a rough patch there for a little bit. Malone kind of got a little tight, a little nervous. Team's playing good again. I yeah, feel like he's they're nine and four. They were nine three and four. one on the road trip. <laughs> are they still number one in the West? Uh, uh, well, are they? Or is Portland ahead? Portland does the head to head too. So they yeah, they're be. still at the best record. Portland's technically All right. number one. Um, yeah. I did not see Bones Highland at practice today. Yeah, the guys were kind of running off the floor when we got there. I I think it's to be determined if he plays tomorrow. I would love. Are you kidding me? Like the Knicks at home on three days rest when they're on a back to back. If there was ever a Bones game, man, oh, that's like a Bones vibe. Like Bones rides the vibes waves better than anyone, and that's like set up for like, yeah. oh man, come out and hit two three threes in a row, and then just get the crowd going and turn this <sighs> into a party. Yeah. Anything on ish. <laughs> Funny you ask. Um, well, he was on the injury report last game. The one for tomorrow hasn't come out yet. But we walk into practice, and he's like scrimmaging full throttle with the assistants. He looked good to me. Yeah, he was giving the business to Darrell Arthur. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, as a third-string guard, you want to be available. It's kind of the big thing. Oh, actually, I do have a good note from a road trip. In the, and I, people should go watch it. I thought it was a, an, an interesting interview. He says that the Nuggets this year got a new piece of equipment that monitors, and I know other teams have had this for several years, but Nuggets <laughs> got it this year, where it monitors, it like is like a tracking thing. So it picks up on you, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, and, and just fall, locks into you. And then every shot you take, it keeps your stats. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he's shooting 80% on three pointers in the gym in practice. My God. Which is, and, and then My somebody, God. and then it was like, well, that seems almost low considering like we watch him. Sometimes he goes like 18 of 19, you know, or whatever. And he said, yeah, but he's like, that even includes the ones where I'm just messing around shooting half quarters or something. <laughs> so he might actually be like 85% in practice, which is, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Oh, man. I thought it was pretty great. I, I would just watch the COVID situation. You've seen it pop up throughout the league. I mean, Bones is in the protocols. I learned today that Ryan Saunders was left in Boston, didn't travel to Chicago. <laughs> He's a in the weird protocols. way to say that. The defense was really bad yeah, that game. Really they just, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just think there's a heightened concern around the league right now. Yeah. So a I would, I would watch for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take us to break. <laughs> On the other side, we'll do a shortened third segment here where we just kind of talk about the redeemed team. You watched it? I did watch it. I mean, a while ago when it came out. You watch it? <laughs> I like no, how I'm we're just getting to the You're not watching that dog. I'm so uninterested in that. Uh, I did watch it though. I did watch it, guys. Evaca TV. Make sure to get set up with Evaca TV. Is is the Serbia doc still on? Yeah, Ivaca I think TV. It, yeah. By the way, the Serbia doc I think will be out on YouTube next week. Um, it, it's still on there but for it now. It is on there tonight, I believe, and tomorrow after the game. Uh, then it will be on YouTube. But Evaca TV, if you want to watch the Nuggets, Evaca TV is the best place to do that. Go to evaca.tv slash DNVR. Use that link. Watch your favorite Colorado sports teams, original DNVR content. You can watch this show on there as well. Uh, watch Nuggets games, Avs games, other entertainment channels as well. $25 a month plus a $5 receiver. Evaca.tv slash DNVR. Also, if you're looking for tickets to sporting events, concerts, shows, whatever, Game Time's your go-to. Use our link in the YouTube description if you're watching there. Use our link in the podcast description if you're watching there. What's the cheapest ticket right now on Game Time? Probably pretty cheap. Actually, the Knicks? I don't know. How much is it? Are there still Knicks fans out there? You just looked? 22 bucks? Knicks fans out there? This morning? I'll be at the game tomorrow. Come say hi. We'll do the perch. We'll perch it up tomorrow. Nice. Uh, if you want Nuggets tickets, yeah, check out Game Time. Use our link. Don't mess around with all those other third-party sites. Game Time's your one-stop shop. Concerts, shows, sporting events, whatever you need. Probably not Taylor Swift tickets yet, but um, whatever you need, check out the Game Time app. You know, they're playing the Knicks tomorrow, and they're wearing the new city jerseys, which are like orange and white. I, I had the same thought, too, man. And you're like, why are you picking the game 
where you play the Knicks to wear a jersey that looks like the Knicks. <laughs> the same thoughts. That's a good point. The it's NBA is just abandoning and color And the Knicks schemes. are going to be wearing blue, I think. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know who to root for. Um, all right, let's get into this real quickly, real briefly here as we wrap this up. Lighthearted segment here. So the Redeem Team documentary produced by LeBron James and Chris Paul, I believe, or was it Le- oh, Carmelo Anthony? It might be Carmelo just Anthony. He's featured, he's featured very heavily in this. It, Carmelo is. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. For a guy who wasn't even on the floor... At the end of the Spain gold medal game, Melo's in this a lot. So we all visited Serbia. We had a great time. We became uh, spiritual Serbs for for a period of time, right? Um, The moment that most manifested itself was when the NBA was talking about the Jokic spinny shot that during the Eurobasket, when it was actually the World Cup qualifier. And for me, I just got so outraged. Like I felt I went full Serbian, right? Where I was like, (laughs) oh my God, I'm offended. It's not my thing. It happened again when I was watching this. When I was watching the Redeemed Team doc, and I'll tell you, not to spoil our own documentary, 100 Invisible Threads, but there is a part in there to me that's very important. First of all, the reason that NBA players are allowed to play in the Olympics, or the reason they were originally, it was lobbied very heavily by a guy named Borislav Stankovic, who was one of the founding fathers of Yugoslavian basketball, huge basketball enthusiast. He kept presenting it. Kept getting shot down. He had to get become best friends with David Stern, lobby with him, and really convince him to go. When you watch the documentary, they almost make it sound like the U.S. lost to the Soviets in 88, and it's like, that's it. We're not doing this anymore. That's part of it. That's part of it. But they just brush over this whole... I hate when it's like the Americans decided to do this thing, and ergo it was. When, in yeah. fact... You know, FIBA, and in particular, Borislav Stankovic, was trying to get this to go for a decade. He was trying mm. for for a long time. So I kind of just hate the, like, just brushing over people who's, like, li- that's his life's work. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's a little bit of a, of a thing. that. So that was, like, the first thing where I'm kind of like, all right, whatever. Um, and then they go through this whole, like, how much they dominated throughout all the eons of time. Just and it, Which is true. The U.S. is the number one basketball nation by leaps and bounds. This is, I'm not trying to dispute that. But it is funny to me going through it and being like, you would think they only lost twice ever. They did the Olympics, but only lost twice ever in international competitions. One was uh, in, was it 78? And then the other one in 88? Was it 70? I can't remember. Whichever one was the first, 72, the I think. Soviet Union yeah, one? Yeah, both of them were the Soviet Union. One of them legitimately, one of them more illegitimately. Right. And they almost just like glossed through this fact. And it's like, hey, man, there is a better, bigger story there. So at first I was a little bit bummed out about that. My first note, though, before I get into more grievances... Kobe Bryant really was the star of this documentary. Totally. Absolutely. And it's funny because the opening line, Kobe is saying something. I can't remember what he I can't even remember what he's saying, but he's saying something and he's just so care. It's him and LeBron. And like walks in, you know how documentaries will start cold open and the guys will sit down. And it's Kobe just saying a bunch of stuff and it's LeBron. And then LeBron like goes, Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he was like the contrast between the two guys is just like oh my god one guy is like just seems like real and about it or this or that and then LeBron not I did and so I did kind of just enjoy the contrast to all of that because I thought the entire documentary you look at Kobe and you seem like love or hate him he just seems like such a character and LeBron yeah. seems like such a brand you know throughout it or whatever right. I think also at that stage in their careers Kobe was still just that guy to them 100 you know, that he was a well, real person in front of them even for guys like lebron i still think 100 100 accurate lebron at that time it was funny because in 2008 i you know i was thinking lebron's better than kobe he's passing kobe kobe is at kind of a bottom at that point because he'd run check out of town they hadn't had the success this or that but um but yeah so it was just kind of funny to see but the one thing about 2008 and i didn't think about this stuff when i was you know, I was really into the Redeem team. I think I told you guys that. I bought a Kobe Team USA jersey because I liked Kobe. I hate the Lakers. I'm never going to buy a Lakers sure. jersey. So that one was like, okay, sweet. I get to wear. I flew to Vegas. This was before I was covering the NBA or anything. I flew to Vegas to watch them play like Venezuela or something. Like I just wanted to see that team live. So I was really into this, mm-hmm. um, really into this team. I didn't think about how at that time Kobe wasn't quite the guy people looked up to. You know how it is, like when you, as you get older, players start to look up to you more and more. Mm. But when you're young or just the average age, you're a competitor. Like, are people looking, are young players coming to the league looking up to Giannis just yet? Maybe a little bit, but not fully. This was at the point where Kobe was kind of going from the young or the regular guy to like the part where the young, the next generation was starting to look up to him, even though he's a living legend and on the court. But what was interesting is they're talking about how much Kobe was, had no friends. (laughs) Yeah. 
In the NBA right now, he everybody's was a loner. Friends. Yeah, he was a loner. And so, like, even Carmelo and LeBron and Dwayne Wade, they all know Kobe. They all like Kobe, this or that. But none of them are friends with him. This right. was like an introduction to friendship. Right. Yeah. And then he was like, we're going to or I'm going to work out at 4 a.m. And Mello was like, eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> and by the way, can I say Mello looks great in this doc? Like he looks so thin, don't you think? I've never seen him look as skinny as he looks in the documentary. Like we said, maybe he made the doc. It's <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's so true. He had final he cut. Had, he actually does isn't skinny. They just have the perfect lighting for him. He does have the most <laughs> words, I think, in the doc. He has a lot of words, and I found him to be very charismatic. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I've told you guys, I like Mello. I, I kind of like... I've always liked, like, off-the-court Mello actually seems like a very likable guy to me. Not yeah. that I know him personally. But. Right. Um, but I thought some of, some of these things were great. Um... And then this idea, like you did wonder, here, here's the thing that bothers me, and this is in the documentary. I actually cut a lot of this out of the documentary, 100 Invisible Threads. When we talk about the dream team of 1992, there is a reason that team was so special. It was the first year NBA players were allowed. It was the perfect confluence of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson's fame and Michael Jordan's fame, like at the exact perfect moment. That happens in 95. It's different. If it happens in like 88 or... Mm -hmm. 96 rather if it happens yeah. in 88 jordan is like not quite jordan yet so even though he's a great player he, he's not thought of so it happens at this perfect moment where you get these guys that are legends but the one thing that bothers me about it and, and going there is we all know there was a team that wasn't involved and i don't want to spoil too much because a lot of the documentary is about this and it really was the yugoslavian team and the thing that's interesting to me is they talk about it as 1992 was the year that the dream team brought basketball to Europe, as if it didn't exist there before. Right, right. And like that was it. Sure. And, there's, and there's a lot of truth to this. It did help explode popularity of basketball, 1992 Barcelona. It really made a huge impact on it. Vladi Divac was already in the NBA. In 1988, or 1989, he's in the NBA. Same with Drazen Petrovic. He had Danilovic. You already had the European wave of players coming in. The, I think that the Dream Team helped accelerate it a lot. But in researching 100 Invisible Threads, one of the things I strongly push back on is this idea that in 92, there was Team USA and there was a bunch of scrubs. And then in 96, it was Team USA and a bunch of scrubs. And in 2000, it was Team USA and a bunch of scrubs. And then all of a sudden, in 2004, the world caught up. Right. Sure. Like I just, and this is how it's sure. presented. Is It's like... No, I don't think that's true. First of all, as you'll learn in 100 Invisible Threads in 92, there's not this, there's some teams that weren't, didn't get to participate yeah. in that year that I think would have gotten killed by the Dream Team, but it would have at least kind of shown that, okay, that the elevated gap, the collective. It would have just yeah, elevated yeah. it. Not a every bit. team was Angola. Right, right exactly. Right. 96, uh, you know, you still had like actually games that were slightly more competitive, but I think very similar things. Like Europe is in the same level of flux at, at, at that moment in time. 2000. Team USA won by two points. Right. They eked out a win. They barely escaped with a win to get yeah. a gold medal in that one. 2002, they took sixth place. Like, there's all these little checkpoints along the way that say, hey, Team USA may be as great as they are, and USA, number one basketball nation, full stop. Full stop. It's not, you know, that, I'm not trying to make a crazy argument here, but I hate this argument of, like, there was nothing to be learned until all of a sudden the thing, the table sure. turned on Team USA. To me, that's the thing that I think we lose the most from the way we tell this history. And look, history is written by the winners. And that history, though, to me, is just such an incomplete one. It's mm. uh, USA was always greater. I think that they had a big blind spot that wasn't exploited the way it could have been until 2002, basically, when it kind of yeah. smacked them in the face. And then 2004 at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we are the United States. We are the we are the best, and we have introduced everything to the world, and we deserve <laughs> right. credit well, for it all. But even that game against Spain, like this is the redeemed team. You've got Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. Like that was still a competitive game. It was five points with what ninety seconds a great or something. Game. Like it was yeah. a great game. Or, or even to the one of the points you made earlier. I think the biggest fun fact for me in that trip was. Oh, they've been playing basketball here for 100 years. Right, right. 100 I, Well, 99, but yeah. Yeah, 99, thank you. Like, it's not, you know, without trying to understate, too, the impact that that team had on, on growing the game. But again, they hardly introduced the game to right. a lot of other people. And right. it's, it is an incomplete history. Yeah, and so that was my only complaint. It's not even a real complaint. It was just was a little complaint because I was, as I'm watching this, I don't like when stories take the like easy way out when there's other more interesting stories to be told there. And that's all I'm getting at. The Dream Team's a great story. The Redeem Team's a great story. Honestly, I really love the Redeem Team. That was like one of my 
that was the dream team for me. Right? That, like, that, that run was, was unbelievable. Watch. Watching that team was unbelievable. So I, I like those teams, but I just didn't like the way that those those other parts of the story were glossed over. That being said, that movie would have been two hours long if they would have given too much more of the history. I just thought they could have served served it a little bit. But you, you went through this too, making your own. It's hard. You can either include it all or right. you or you make some cuts. You know. Right. Um, I didn't think it was that great. I mean, here's the thing about that movie. It's a classic modern day NBA story. Yeah. It's a classic, like, it could have been a um, Players Tribune article, right? It's the players telling their own story of their own greatness. And look, there's obviously a lot of truth to it, but there's a level of it where you're kind of like, all right, I kind of wish I could have gotten another another side of this. Well, story, what's, another perspective. which one was it that was the Tiger doc that he was not involved in, right? Of the recent docs that came out, there's been a Are lot of Are you talking about a, Tiger King? No, no, no. Tiger Woods. Oh, Tiger Woods. Uh, <laughs> I know wow. some people that have made the argument that's the most interesting of the recent wave of docs about our legends. And maybe from the standpoint of he didn't make it about himself. Right, right, 100%. So, did you watch the Lance Armstrong doc? No, I didn't. He, he was in that one. Oh, I did see that one, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did see that one. That was a that was a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All was. right, hit that outro music for us, Kale. I think this was a great show today, guys. It sucks when the NBA, like, the best days are game days. Sure. The worst days are non-game days. And the worst of the worst games are when there's two non-game days in a row. <laughs> but we survived. Practice days. Practice days, man. We had Shout two out of them Detchi. In a row. What, a, what an appearance. That was great. Shout out Detchi, man. He's absolutely great. So th- so thankful he came on the show. Um, so if you guys missed that, rewind it. Check it out. We got a plug. Um, we got a plug. Uh, the takeovers. You can get your tickets uh, for the Saturday Jazz one. Is that on the 10th? Do I have that right off the top of my head? Yep, December 10th. But also all these tickets now are available. So make sure you're checking it out on the site we're pumping out pro material promo materials from dnvr nuggets don't miss out on the best nights of the regular season ditch the fomo add a little party bus into your life that one's a lot of Hell fun yeah. also want to let you know tomorrow night we are having a legends night here we're gonna have milan mm. hayduke in the house we're gonna have adam foot in the house a whole host of other colorado avalanche as we're doing a big fundraiser event for lacroix hockey you guys remember pierre lacroix his son eric lacroix has a really cool uh fundraiser thing he's doing for youth hockey and there's gonna be a whole bunch of legends here that is a private event you cannot show up if you did not sign up for it because it is a paid event members get a good discount i think it's 20 bucks for members 30 bucks for non-members but if you're an abs fan as well and you want to come over here and rub shoulders with milan hey duke and adam foot by the way when i say that that's not like uh you come here and they'll be roped off no the people this is a private event so if you're here sit and talk to these guys that's what they're here to do they're here to sign autographs take pictures and sit and watch the game take notes and talk to everybody so it's going to be a really cool event we did this once a year ago uh when we had a bunch of other abs legends they liked it so much coming back doing another one um so i think there are still tickets available for that you can check those up on the events page on the dnvr.com all right everybody hit that like button on the way out we'll see you tomorrow